Welcome to Many Windows, Conversations on Ministry. I'm your podcast host, Julie Taylor, coming to you from Meadville Lombard Theological School in Chicago. So welcome to Season 1, Episode 1, Online Worship and Copyright. In this inaugural episode, I'll speak with John Leaker, the Director of Library and Archives here at Meadville Lombard Theological School. We're going to talk about copyright and worship in an online setting. In the last two years during the COVID-19 pandemic, faith communities had to learn to adjust in record speed to create worship services fully online as well as on hybrid platforms. Laws and best practices around copyright are not the same for online worship as they are for purely in-person worship. Now, thankfully, John has knowledge on the subject and good resources to help us navigate this new terrain. conversation today about copyright and online worship, because things are different now when we consider and think about where are, uh, where does copyright, how does that fall, what's the same, what's different, and how does that relate to worship, which is different than being, let's say, in a classroom setting. And so here we go. Uh, John, kind of take it away. Welcome. Sure. Um, Copyright always is exciting for me, and I understand it's boring for everybody else, but it is a nah, useful not set everybody of... else, not everybody else. <laughs> if, you're very, if you like ambiguous rules, it's fun. <laughs> um, so I always, always, always want to start with totally not a lawyer. I'm a librarian, but um, I can kind of help give you some general principles and concepts to use as you are doing online worship. The biggest one is online worship is very different than in-person worship as it relates to copyright and honestly many other things. Um, Because by putting it on YouTube or Facebook or streaming it, you are reproducing it. It is functionally the same as buying the newest Taylor Swift CD, making a bunch of burnt CDs and distributing those, right? You're taking a copyrighted material and you are distributing it online. And it doesn't matter. Let me jump in. That doesn't matter if you're distributing it for free or distributing it and charging exactly. right so that exactly. the fact that worship isn't being charged for doesn't change that that violation it's the reproduction and distribution that's the issue not the not a financial gain for the one doing it exactly so that is really all the differences all the issues um, go back to that simple fact doing it online you're reproducing copyrighted material so many of the protections that are allowed for in-person worship. United States copyright law is really generous for in-person worship, and it allows you to do all Mm -hmm. kinds of things you couldn't normally do. Mm -hmm. None of those apply to online worship. Wait, say that again? Say that again? (laughs) None of the rules that protect you for in-person worship apply to online worship. Period. End of sentence. (laughs) And for folks that come from an education background, many of the protections that apply to an educational context do not apply to online worship. So folks that are used to um, running an online classroom, uh, many of the um, exceptions you get in that context do not apply to online worship. And there are real consequences. You could get sued. Mm -hmm. Um, You could be fined. Mm -hmm. Um, A recent example, um, one of our congregations was doing a worship service and the musicians played a cover of a song. YouTube detected that that cover was copyrighted and closed down the stream mid-worship 
and they got a strike against their account. So what happens too many times, they would lose their YouTube channel. Wow. And that was from musicians playing it, not even just not playing the actual recording. Exactly. Wow. So so there are real risks. It's not an abstraction. It's not following rules for the sake of following rules. There are real risks you could put your congregation at if you are distributing copyrighted material in the context of a worship service. Well, and nowadays, right, because of technology being what it is, it's it's not it's also not an abstract. Oh, well, if somebody happened to wander in and notice, they would have to show up and be there at the right time because there are like computer bots (laughs) out there. Right. Like you just said, they can detect this stuff. So it's not just if some random human happened to walk in and know the law and realize that you're using copyrighted material in an incorrect way, because it's on on the on these computer platforms, technology is taking care of that. Yes, much of it is automated. And this counts for audio and for images. Wow. That they have the ability to detect it and have an automated takedown. Wow. So so there are really real consequences. So this yeah. isn't to scare you. There's yeah. things you can do to protect yourself. Um, but you need to kind of have an idea of what how copyright law is and, and specific the specific ways it applies to worship. Right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over a few common types of copyrighted material that is integrated into worship Good. and then give some advice and suggestions about how best to um, incorporate it. Excellent. I'm going to start with the easiest one. Okay. Images. All right. So if you are having a PowerPoint in the background, if you are setting the mood for a meditation with a still image, mm-hmm. um, copyright is at play. Those images could be copyrighted. Okay. The easiest solution for images is to use material that is not protected by copyright. Okay. And where do we find that? There's a few ways. One, you can take the picture yourself. If you put your own picture online, you own the copyright and you're free to do with it what you want. So you can use copyright to your benefit. You can take a picture and you can add it um, to a PowerPoint or to a worship service. Um, Also, there are what is called creative commons. Um, And it's a search term that you can do. You can say pictures of flowers, creative commons. And that is a specific- Creative commons, C-R-E-A-T-I-V-E-C-O-M-M-O-N-S. Creative commons Commons. is the the search term, okay. And this is material that people have created and generated and they, they make it available on the internet to be freely used by people. Oh, okay. All you have to do is cite it at the bottom very easily, but you can distribute it as you want. Now, there are some licenses. Some say you can sell it. Some say you can't. But in the worship context, pretty much any Creative Commons image you'll be allowed to use. You've all used Creative Commons and haven't even known it. It is what Wikipedia runs upon. So all the images you see in Wikipedia and all the text in Wikipedia uses Creative Commons licensing to allow people to remix, adapt, and use it. Wow, interesting. So, okay. And so pictures are pretty easy. You can probably find an equivalent picture, anything you would want in Creative Commons, or you can okay. take it yourself. Another option is what's called the public domain. Okay. These are older historical pictures where copyright has expired, and you're free to use those mm. as you would like. Okay. The final way you can incorporate a picture is transformative use. This one's mm. tricky, but this is... And hold, hold on. So transformative use, the other two, uh, public domain and creative commons were like search terms. 
Transformative use is not a search term. You're going to describe it. That's a process rather than a search term. Okay. That is which there are exceptions in copyright law. If you take a copyrighted material and sufficiently transform it, you can use it in some context. The fact is that a worship service is free actually does help you in this one instance for transformative use because you aren't selling it. So this could be a collage. This could be a, um, if you have like drawn over an image, if you have otherwise transformed it artistically, you um, have some leeway in using it. Okay. Unfortunately, as you can tell, this is kind of an ambiguous category. Creative commons and public domain are pretty clear binaries. It's in the public domain or it's not. It is creative commons or it's not. Mm -hmm. Transformative use is a process. Um, So I don't recommend using it, but it is in your tool chest if there is a specific thing you really want to do and you're really transforming the photo. If you're taking the photo and really doing something that makes it something new, Mm -hmm. that gives you some leeway and freedom. Okay. All right. Great. So that's images. Um, And those are one of the easier ones because Creative Commons is very common for images. Interesting. So how about how about things like uh, because there's another couple of categories I definitely want to hit while we're talking about how about readings? So readings are hard. Okay. Um, (laughs) So effectively, if you are reciting a poem, you are performing a poem without permission. You have Uh, not paid the creator for performance rights to the poem. Mm-hmm. It's not unlike performing a play. Mm. It is a, um, a piece of literature, a piece of art somebody created, right. somebody sells, right. and you are using it without getting permission and you're distributing it. And not just for, especially when you think about things like plays, I think we think more, not just about permission, but you know, there's, if, if you're part of a theater company and you're mm-hmm. using a play, you're going to pay royalties exactly. to those authors. And we don't, I don't think we think about that in terms mm-hmm. of a poem or you know, a part of a, a book, a couple, you know, some good paragraphs from a book. Mm-hmm. We don't think about that in that way, but it's the same, but, but the, the law, the undergirding of the copyright is around, it has, has the same, mm-hmm. uh, it's the same result. Yes. So for that, you have a few tools. One, okay. public domain, just like with pictures. If the, your text is an older text, text, you do, um, it's not protected by copyright and you're free to recite it or perform it. Okay. But um, especially for reading, sometimes the public domain stuff is not going to speak to our current moment very well. Sure. Public domain stuff generally is going to be prior to 1920. So, okay. um, so what you can do is you can do excerpts, you can do small sections. So not the entire poem, okay. but a few lines. You could do excerpts of a longer work. Those are protected by fair use as well. Okay. Um, and those will be your main tools for incorporating copyrighted readings into your text. Um, this is where Worship Web is very handy because mm-hmm. most of their material has permission um, to be distributed online and in the context of online worship. So That's this is for, for primarily for you use the the Worship Web W O R. S-H-I-P-W-E-B. If you look up that term in the UUA, well, you can just put that in a search engine mm-hmm. and you'll, it'll come up to the, with UUA, you'll find that. Uh, other denominations may have similar, uh, may have similar uh, uh, resources too. Mm-hmm. So I think this is 
one of the harder ones because it it, it, it does feel limiting because it is limiting in some ways. Yeah. Because if for in-person worship, copyright law has an exception and you can incorporate pretty much any text you would mm. like with a lot of freedom. Right. And with online worship, it's less so. But I do think yeah. with text, the um, the ethical thing becomes a little more clear because it is a poet's work or an author's mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are using and distributing it without compensating that person. Yeah. So that and, is unless you unless there is a way that you can contact them and either exactly. make a request and or actually compensate them. And I, I it'd be interesting to see mm-hmm. now with with worship and other kinds of mm-hmm. online uh, uh, platforms really getting bigger, mm-hmm. particularly within the last year, <laughs> and recognizing that. Uh, how many uh, artists may now be making their material available by isn't for five dollars mm-hmm. you can do this for this so it may be worth contacting them yes it, it never hurts to contact them and honestly a lot of people in my experience feel good to be contacted because it's nice like oh <laughs> somebody's using that that, yeah. that piece of art i did and yeah. oh you'll give me you know some money for it even better right um and and if you have permission then you can do it um, and that is another really good point, Julie, that um, you can reach out to creators in all of these instances and receive permission to use it in this copyright content. You would generally have to tell them, oh, I'm so-and-so, I'm doing a worship service, on average, X amount of people attend it, some basic information so that can maybe help determine the price in the context they're using it. But um, that is another um, option that is useful, especially for readings. And sometimes it's easier to find an author than um, the person that wrote the, um, the the musical notation to a song, for example. <laughs> that gets a little trickier sometimes. Right. Um, so another commonly used genre form or genre in it is um, video recordings. This mm. is you. Somebody else has a video recording, and you want to integrate it into your worship service. Okay. Of course, if you created the video yourself you're free to use it however you would like, sure. as long as you didn't use copyrighted material in your own video, ah, of course. Kicker in there, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. you can't like, you can't like backdoor copyrighted material <laughs> um, in a pre-recorded way into a live one. Because if it's pre-recorded or if it's live, you're distributing copyrighted material in the same way. Right. The copyright implications are basically the same okay. of a live stream versus a pre-recorded video. Good to know. But um, you do have some freedom with, video one you can use short excerpts so if you're pre-recording a video and you want to use a 10 second clip of a copyrighted material that's actually allowed you can incorporate that clip into your pre-recorded video Hmm. you're also free to use public domain videos Um, so if there's an older historical video that you want to use you can incorporate that into your video as you see fit and finally there are such things as creative common videos. Now this could be a documentary or a narrative video or a, or a film or it could be stock footage of leaves blowing across a pond in a relaxing meditative manner. If it's Creative <laughs> Commons you're allowed to incorporate that video as well. Okay. What you can't do is large chunks of copyrighted material. You can't do you probably couldn't even do an, a big scene from a movie mm. or a large section from a documentary. The excerpts are like thinking when you're quoting somebody in a paper or a sermon, you mm. read a few sentences, you generally don't quote an entire page. Right, um, right. That would be similar for video material. Okay, that's helpful. That's helpful. 
So like you can't, yeah, you can't use a whole TED talk. Exactly. Right? You can't. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, but you sure if there's a really cool sentence or two, you could use that. Okay. So the last Helpful. one is the biggest one. Music. Oh, uh, yes. The, the um, lifeblood, really. You're right. Right. Of uh-huh. worship and tra- oh, yeah, absolutely. Of that gathering. Music is so key for so many of our, for so many of our, our communities. So the first thing I always want to share is most pieces of music actually have two different copyright holders. And that's the first complexity. Okay. The person or organization that owns the lyrics may not be the same person or organization that owns the music. You can have mm. two separate copyright holders. Mm. In some instances, the music could be public domain, mm-hmm. not protected by copyright, but the new lyrics are protected by copyright. Oh, boy. You can see how that gets complicated, but there is an infrastructure to help you navigate music. Okay. So the first one is the UUA actually has some pretty good guidelines. Okay. Good to know. So if you go, um, there'll be some links posted below this video, I believe. Yep. Um, and we have on our website, a list of links. A really nice one is the hymns and readings for use in UU worship without contacting copyright holders. Hey, that sounds UA promising. And some um, excellent um, volunteers and folks who um, kind of stepped up as um, COVID started uh-huh. and online worship increased, helped create a list of material that is in the gray hymnals that you can perform in an online worship and you don't have to worry about copyright. Great. This isn't the entire hymnal. Just because it's in the hymnal doesn't mean you can use it in online worship. But they're important. Is a, That's important. Very important. Let me say that again. Just because it's in the hymnal doesn't mean you can use it in online worship. Mm-hmm. However, if it's in the hymnal and it's on the list on the UUA website, you can. Now, wait, let me ask you this. Probably same goes for the readings in there as well. Exactly. That's all part of that list. Yeah. Okay. That's the reading part of the list as well. That Thank is um, a very, very helpful resource. And that okay. alone gives you a pretty good menu of songs and readings for you to incorporate into a worship service. Excellent. But there's some more helpful things to help you with. Great. There's also licenses. Okay. So there are third-party companies that contract with music publishers, and they provide a fee for a yearly or monthly fee. Um, You can pay for her permission to access hundreds of thousands of songs. Wow. So this is something you have to budget for. Okay. But that is another option. If you find that the material that is available um, through public domain, through Mm -hmm. Creative Commons, or through the um, great hymnal that is allowed for online worship, if that isn't quite meeting your needs, Mm -hmm. you should look into some of these licensing materials. Um, We have two companies we recommend, um, and that is on our website as well, links to them. But this does cost money. Yep. And that cost also depends on the size of your congregation. A larger right. congregation pays more than a smaller congregation because it's being exposed to more people. Right, right. Have they made, have, has, has there been a change in the cost? Have you noticed uh, for online worship? Do they make a stipulation? And that, that may be too much in the weeds. Just go to the website. Not, so they, generally, I think the licenses are their specific online worship options because for in-person worship, 
you actually have a lot of freedom. Once again, yeah. in-person worship has a giant, very unique carve-out and copyright law. Yeah. For in-person worship, you can just like play a Taylor Swift song if you want. Just play right. the CD and you're fine. Right. 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 Uh, physical in-person worship has a large degree of leeway that is very unique in U.S. copyright law, but it does not apply to digital worship. So I want to lift up, first of all, that we're going to have to talk about your Taylor Swift thing at some other point when we're not recording a video, because <laughs> that seems to be your go-to. So I'm curious about that. But, uh, but separately, I want to also lift up that we're talking about congregations, but this applies to worship happening within the Meadville Lombard context as well. Our exactly. Vespers, right? All of this counts, even though we're in an educational setting, the same the same rules, the same copyright is all in mm -hmm. play because we are now having holding worship in a virtual space, in an online space mm -hmm. that is not part of a class. Taking a class where you're creating worship for one of the, you know, worship in the arts class or preaching class, that's, a, that's different. That's within mm -hmm. the confines of a class. But the Vespers and our worship services that we have now, all of these all of these rules and regulations apply to Meadville's worship as well. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter that we're an educational institution because uh, what's happening is not part of a class that you can matriculate into. Exactly. And because we're talking about Meadville specifically, they're not, these aren't suggestions or options. These are, this is Meadville Lombard's policy is to follow U.S. copyright law, right. which means you have to only be using material you have permission for or right. is um, not protected by copyright. Right. But um, it is getting better that okay. um, there's been this wonderful kind of community as both within Unitarian Universalism and within religious communities more broadly, all of these congregations saw this problem. Yeah. Um, as they began online worship, lots of things had to be learned and lots of yes. new things had to be developed. One of right. that is this infrastructure and this realization of copyright mm -hmm. and how to protect congregations and how to provide meaningful material for worship. Um, because while it is restricting, there is a lot out there that you can do. And maybe some of those restrictions give you um, creative boundaries to help you think about incorporating different types of material or new material mm -hmm. or material you otherwise wouldn't use. This can help you um, direct you into thinking about it differently and maybe open up exciting new possibilities. I, I like that framing rather than trying to figure out how to get around the law, right? That's exactly. not, that's, that's not in line with our, with our values, right? If, we're, if we think about how, uh, how our values uh, around, around justice for labor, <laughs> Artists are putting mm -hmm. these pieces in place. If we value their labor and we're actually going to say, so, you know, we value not just value by our words, but actually value as in the money that comes mm -hmm. with the, the labor that's part of this. We should not be trying to get around these regulations. We should either try to find our way to, to work within them and or compensate people for the artistic labor that they mm -hmm. have put into into this work. Yeah. It's actually one reason why I use Taylor Swift. Um, she has actually had a lot of challenges with not controlling the original recordings of her music because oh. of an exploitive contract that she signed when she was earlier in her career. Yeah. So there is this really way in which um, it's one, the compensation of somebody who's a millionaire is different than 
the compensation of somebody who is um, a working poet. But there is that 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 justice work of honoring people's work and their creative output and what yeah. they bring into the world. Um, yeah. And in this copyright framework, while arbitrary and while sometimes um, not ideal, is trying to get at that. Right. And and we should respect that. Yeah. I have a fr- I have a I have a colleague. Uh, 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 from another denomination who's a who's a songwriter and who writes uh does some really beautiful amazing and i've, I've used it in worship at uh at meadville when we've been in person and mm-hmm. even though by playing his music in person i'm within copyright when i've used mm-hmm. it at, at worship there i still uh he he has a website and if you want to use his songs you can go on and it's he asks ten dollars he has $10. So I go ahead and, and I drop him $10 to be able to use. Uh, I've, I've used some of his uh, saw his uh, YouTube. He has a YouTube channel and he has videos of his music. So I have uh, again written to him and said, hey, I want to use this in a worship service. Can I get your permission? And he says, sure, go to my website and do X, Y, Z. And I'd really appreciate, you know, the 10 bucks. It helps. So I go ahead and do that. So I also, um, you know, being able to find ways to support, you know, <laughs> He's, he's not going to be well-known. He's, he's not the one making $10 million for a song. Um, but I also want to lift up before we close then, you know, just because something's on YouTube doesn't mean that it's free reign, that it's, well, it's already out and therefore it is a uh, public domain. Being in the public doesn't make something public domain. Exactly. I was just going to say the moment you mentioned YouTube, that light went off in my head. That's a very common thing. We see, oh, it's free online. No, what it is, the creator uploaded it to YouTube. YouTube monetizes it by selling ads to individuals, not to a group of people, right? So the financial arrangement is one or two people aren't watching this video on their laptop screen. 150 people are watching in a worship service. Mm. It's not what the creator agreed to when they uploaded it to YouTube Uh, or Vimeo or any other service. You need to look for that Creative Commons license and often you, you will see it, it'll be creative comments. Right. And if it's public domain, it will be labeled public domain. On the links below, we include um, on the Meadville page, some links to common public domain and creative common resources that right. puts them all in one place. Thank you. Um, but that's such an important per- point, just because it's online, just because you can find it free, doesn't mean it's actually free. Right, right. Thank you. Well, so uh, we've mentioned a couple of times that we're going to provide uh, the actual links uh, within within the comments here below, and so we will we will have that available. You can always contact the library, uh, con- contact library and archives for specifics, uh, and on the Meadville the Meadville website uh, with it if you you know, get, click down to the, the library and ar- archives page, you'll be able to even get more further uh, details on this. And uh, anything else here before we close up, John? No, as always, if you have questions, please feel free to ask. Also, totally not a lawyer, but I can give you <laughs> some some general um, suggestions about um, different ways to incorporate material legally into your worship service. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for this conversation. It was not boring. There's nothing <laughs> boring about it. And, uh, and, and really, this is, uh, 
this this is important things for us to pay attention to again even you know we're part of this a bigger web we're part of it to try to keep not not wanting to be out not wanting to be part of it so that we can just do what we want like play that song we want mm-hmm. doesn't live up to the values that we have so uh and thank you yeah actually a quick thing to close with is to turn this full circle is it a quote wife- is it a quote is it too yeah, much it's to close a- with it is the realization that your own worship material you create is then copyrighted by you. So this is a thing. Copyright just isn't something you consume. It's something you're creating. If you preach a sermon, that is yours. You've copyrighted it. Somebody else can't use it without your permission. That's true. Um, so you're not just consumers of copyright. Your own creative output is copyrighted as well. So you're, you're using from the system, but you're also putting back into it. So... Um, Thank you for that. That is a good, that is a good uh, way to go out for this. So thank you very much, John. I appreciate your time. Thank you. Uh, we will, we will continue. We were actually going to have some more conversations uh, with, with uh, you on some other uh, specific topics, I think going mm-hmm. forward, but this is a great one for us uh, to, to really dive into today. So uh, it's good to have you here and thanks for the conversation. We'll look forward to all of you who are listening, consuming this particular (laughs) uh, uh, conversation. We look forward to catching you next time as well. Thanks a lot. Thanks.